Welcome to another episode of the Play and Art Podcast. We're once again around the red kitchen table drinking our tea. I'm excited to <laughs> speak to you. And um, we were talking a little bit before this about the way that you plan. And I, th- I know even as a kid, I, I've watched you. Uh, I've watched you plan and you know just. Um, take long walks and and think through ideas whether you're talking with me or just by yourself right there's lots of um, different time that you kind of take to plan both your artwork um, and your um, and your teaching so I thought we would maybe talk about that a little today I think uh, generally I would say that being away from your artwork and I know teachers don't like the kids to wander around the room leave their chairs for any reason um, but this idea of being captive prisoners is not realistic because the artist needs to walk away as much as to be uh, nursing their artwork. Mm-hmm. So um, we always, actually, in my class, we've always, when, even when I was teaching elementary school, we always took time to do that. Um, whether it was, you know, everyone kind of in the middle of class, let's get up and you know, kind of walk around the room and see each other's work, and you know, take a moment from our own work. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's. Um, it's just such an important thing to take a step, take a step back. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, I know as an artist, not overwork it because that's always my biggest issue is overworking it. And a lot of that is because I haven't taken the time to take that step back. I always talk about shopping for ideas because my room is always set up like a tempting flea market. <laughs> but um, it's it's also shopping for ideas in other people's. Uh, works and in talking to them and ha- having them see your work mm-hmm. so to establish this environment where you can move in and you're not nailed down you know that's because that's not a, a, a situation that any artist works without <laughs> either going to the refrigerator or taking right. a walk outside or <laughs> my favorite spot you know, <laughs> taking the break away from but oddly enough, um, one of my favorite ways of, of planning itself is uh, when I go swimming. And um, I watch uh, and I admire people who have uh, this timer on their hands and time their laps or count their laps and so forth. I just don't come up for air until I get a good idea. Oh, wow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty upsetting. That. <laughs> Lack of oxygen to your brain will really stimulate those ideas. <laughs> Do not condone this on our podcast. <laughs> but I enjoy the stillness underwater where you really come... Um, with very little distractions, you come across uh, your face... Your, your thoughts and, um, and then come up for air and then continue building on it. So um, anyway, it's, it's while I was doing that uh, this past week at the, at the Y, um, of course right away I have paper nearby at the end of the pool because I always make notes on some of these thoughts. So, <laughs> and uh, even though it's uh, on paper towels, but um, some of the thoughts that I had this week, I just jotted down. I thought you would like to see them. Yeah, I've got it right here, actually, which is perfect. Um, and you have here in bold at the top, which is really a nice comment. Um, is there a child in you? 
that's such an important uh, thing to thing to think about. Sometimes we're far removed from our childhood. Sometimes we feel like uh, we get it back to a certain extent when we have our own kids, if the, you know, or we play with other people's kids. Um, part of our childhood kind of resurfaces, which is nice. But uh, this idea of a, a child in you. It's, it's so important and it can be demonstrated in every way, in every move, in the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you... Uh, I, for example, it's cherry season and uh, um, I used to love using cherries as jewelry. Mm. And um, in our, on our cherry tree I picked, my favorite cherries that I picked were the uh, two cherries with one stem, joined with one stem. Yes and I could hang it from my ears <laughs> on both sides. So I walked into class uh, this time with um, uh, the two cherries. Well, it was online actually, <laughs> wearing the two cherries. And um, of course it gets the students' attention, but it's also a signal of saying, hey, this is something from my childhood that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, the subject is about cherries hanging from your ears. It's that much fun. Yeah, yeah. And the first thing you wrote here, which I think is important, is great art teachers remember and share their their childhood, which is which is so true. And so many of so much of what I do in my class is really about um, sharing a lot of those those memories and so much of my own art too. I mean, it definitely translates to myself as not just a teacher but an artist and everything you know is kind of bringing up some of those um, those wonderful childhood memories. It's kind of a, a time of freedom, right? So it's, it's important to do. Children love to, once you start telling stories of your childhood, they love to join in. Uh, they make great books of their childhood experiences. And um, um, in all my... Um, Classes. I remember the dry erase board, or if I go further back to the chalkboard, was always used as a free space for kids to make note of memories of their puppet shows, their birthday parties, their um, uh, outfits for Halloween, and, and all the things that they remember for their childhood. So mm -hmm. that space, these, these big boards, the kids knew, you know, were always free to, to note your childhood, to go back to your childhood, and it will be appreciated. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, huge, a huge part of this, is just the appreciation factor of, um, of who they are, yeah. right? Of their own, um, even though they're, they're young, they still have, you know, a childhood, they still have these experiences. Uh, which is important and whether you're doing on the chalkboard I know I always had a, a board just that they they brought things in or a cabinet that we could put things in there that were not things necessarily made in class right but things that were important to them that we could um, sometimes put under lock and key if we needed to to keep them safe but that we could share with the rest of the group um, which is very important so yeah um, that was number two, by the way. You're not even looking at the list, which is pretty funny. Um, wonderful art teachers are interested in students' interests. So, <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, students are, are so often uh, asked to leave their interests at home. So there is room. There's room in their, in their mind, in their head. It's clear for the, 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 the subject matter there to be taught in school. Mm -hmm. But... Um, 
the art teacher's notion should be, I, I believe, is that the kids come in with interesting subject matter and interesting material and ideas and stories. So, and that's where art starts. It doesn't start as other subjects um, from the textbook or from the teacher's knowledge of the subject. Yes. Yeah, and that we're encouraging, we're encouraging this as teachers. Um, we're encouraging their themselves as clean um, up kids who play, who create, who think, who think like kids. Um, and we're not necessarily teaching them to to think like um, you know adults, but we're encouraging them to to be who they are at that moment, which is important. You know, uh, after a play or in uh, recalling a play, uh, there is such excitement in storytelling and uh, although kids are generally even in an art class they read stories too they 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 read children's books they Mm -hmm. um, but um, the idea of of making up your own story which comes from all these childhood experiences um, I think is equally important. My kids were always, I, I'm sure you remember, very angry at me because I, I could never really tell a sto- read a story to you. You'd always make up the words. I always thought, I, I <laughs> crazy. off into other worlds. <laughs> right. But kids are really, that's a one part of their art form that needs to be nourished in school where they can take off and you know, uh, recall their childhood and 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 really. Uh, well, not just that, but yeah, fantasize, from, yeah, take from, making stories. From stories, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting. I, when I was talking to a group of teachers recently, we were we were having some of these same discussions, and um, elementary school teachers are. Um, you know, they're like, well, we use puppets, and we, you know, we tell all these great stories to them, and, um, you know, by the time they kind of get to middle school or high school, we feel like we can't do that anymore, you know, <laughs> that we have to kind of step back from that a little bit, um, that we don't feel comfortable as adults doing this with them, which I think is interesting. It's not necessarily that they don't want it, right, because um, they do want to... They still want to live in that fantasy land to a certain extent, right? They still love to, you know, read fantasy novels and, um, you know, go to plays and do all of these things. But as adults, it's harder for us to have that comfort level. So I think, you know, it's something something to think about um, in terms of why is that and how we can shift that a little bit. I'm not necessarily saying get the puppets out, but I will tell you I've done actually made puppets and done um, a lot of uh, puppetry stuff where they actually, you know, made a puppet theater and all of that with middle school students and they loved it. I mean, they completely loved it. They did it for the, uh, we had a school TV show. They did it for the TV show in the mornings. I mean, it was a big hit. And I think that um, we really neglect that sometimes. We feel like, oh, it's just an elementary school thing. Um, And that's really not the case. Puppetry is is, uh, uh, a great art form in Europe when I grew up. I mean, there are operas in, in uh, puppetry form. But it's, it's basically, uh, in the art class, it's playful hands. If you were um, a puppeteer of your, of your brush and your art tools in general, mm-hmm. um, so touching everything, uh, which you're not supposed to touch things, right? Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> but to, to get those playful hands out and get it, to play with all kinds of forms. 
So badminton rackets become, uh, dustpans become puppets, uh, plates become puppets, a cup in your hand becomes. It, it, very interesting this summer. Uh, we watched the story of Elmo, uh, the creator of Elmo, and uh, demonstrating uh, his uh, craft. And the kids were so interested in this brief TV show that I decided to surprise them. Each one uh, received an Elmo puppet. And I was a little, even though my grandchildren, I must say, they're very creative, but they had a very difficult time in um, uh, giving life to, you know, in animating, mm -hmm. uh, uh, telling stories through, or using their voices and gestures through, through Elmo. So it sat there quite a while until uh, we began to, and I didn't uh, associate the two, but we played a lot of different games of using a pencil and creating puppet shows from almost everything in the room. Mm -hmm. And uh, to my wife's chagrin, uh, I remember one meal we had where we started the meal by using the utensils, the, the uh, plastic forks, knives, spoons, mm -hmm. as, as, as uh, performing pieces. And the more we performed each summer, it really just went to benefit the, the Elmo cause, because that really, um, the Elmo really at the end of the summer became quite fluid, spoke many languages, <laughs> and, and showed different gestures and emotions. Yeah. And it, it really was this rehearsal with everything as a puppet. I think that's such a hard part of this that, that's really interesting is that it takes time to get into that mindset. It takes time to um, be able to to use something like, like an Elmo. It's not so I'm going to be able to pick it up and uh, talk to my class through through Elmo, right? It's not, not going to happen like that. Um, and even for the students, it's, it takes a while. I do think sometimes... Um, animating things or putting voice to things that they already feel comfortable with can be really important like if they've um they have you know they've made something for example and they're really good at like you know in their head they already have some of those voices and those sounds that kind of come out um and once once they're used to doing that it becomes easier and easier to yeah. to animate things just try drawing very simply uh, before you draw or before uh, you paint to try to animate that brush and, and zoom across the paper, drive your mm -hmm. uh, pencil, Pen, yeah. um, put some um, pretend wings on it and fly across the paper, do some somersaults or some uh, um, Olympic skating acts on your paper. Mm -hmm. uh, so the more you perform with your tools and with your hands, and the freer you are to touch things and, and turn them upside down and roll them across the room, uh, the freer your art marks will be as well, and then your ideas. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because I do some of that with my students and I mean, one of the big problems is the eight and a half, eleven by piece of paper we give kids on a tiny desk that they're used to doing for math or science or whatever else it is, right? They're used to holding the the pen the same way as they would for math problem, and then you're asking them to create, you know, to make these gestures that they're just not used to because they've been writing with their pen, you know, other things. Um, so, I mean, part of that is, in in my mind, and it's something I do a lot with my students, is getting out 
big pieces of paper, making them stand up from their desks, right? Creating spaces on the floor, like changing all of that up, um, making them, even if they're using a pen, to hold it differently, right? To hold it with a, a loose freedom and not that tight grip that you're used to holding a pen with. Um, you know, even putting different types of handles on it so that it opens it up for them, you know, creating different, even, you know, taping it up, whatever you can do uh, to create longer handles so that it's not so close to the that tight grip. But um, it's really hard to get a, a pen out of a kid's hand that's got that tight grip for, you know, most of their life and get them to feel a little, feel a little, a little differently, you know, I think that's challenging. Yeah. Matisse always in his life uh, used a scissor as a toy and there's no more uh, interesting toy or, or more appealing toy to young children than a scissor. Yes. They would rather... Well, to draw with. Not draw. as a toy as much as to draw with. <laughs> but, but, they, but they draw with a scissor. Yes. And uh, far more interesting drawings than they do with a pencil, and especially if it has an eraser, and they erase it a million times. Exactly. But um, to, to pretend a lot with your tools, and one of the pretend um, uh, games is, is always that this is a toy, mm -hmm. this is a baton, this is a, 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 a race car. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, we even have this game where you have the twelve o'clock um, uh, shootout at the OK Corral. Okay, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> but that you, I'm going to be opposed to that. You draw fast. You, you know, draw, you draw fast. fast. Okay, on the, on the whatever surface. Yes, but yeah, and then of course the the expansion of surfaces that everything is a canvas. Yeah. So because that's how they play. They. When a kid plays, a child plays with that toy car, everything, they will, the car will go up into the air, it will go up over the mm -hmm. chair, under the chair, it will go yeah. up on his tummy, you know, and uh, every surface is a drawing surface of the wheel. Yeah, but so, so much of that is your freedom to move in different ways, right, and associating it, associating your art too with that freedom, which is very different than associating it with with writing a math problem and so you know so much of that is just the sounds you make the ideas you have in your head the words you know the stories that come out of you um the body movements all of that is is really about that freedom um and the association to to play um which is so much nicer of an association than um you know the sitting at a desk and and solving things so um yeah, just something to, to think about. It takes a while even for artists to recognize that their drawing tools, even the simplest pencil, makes as many wonderful sounds as a bow that you're playing as a violin. Mm -hmm. So if you start listening to the sounds of your tools, look at the movement of your tools, experiencing and feeling their actions, um, that's what the play with the tool contributes to. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was a great, great discussion, and uh, we look forward to, to more discussions throughout the throughout the season. Um, and we'll we'll catch you next time. Have a good play week. Have a good play week. <laughs>